Amen. Amen. We have now the privilege to look at the Word of God, and for the last three weeks we have been studying the five solas of the Protestant Reformation. And we have learned that the five solas were formulated in the 16th century by the Reformers in response to the abuses and errors of the Roman Catholic Church. We have been seeing that each sola addresses a specific abuse. For example, the Roman Catholic Church said that it was grace plus merit, faith plus works, Christ plus other mediators, Scripture plus tradition, and God's glory plus Mary and saints. But the Reformers answered this by saying, No, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. That key word, sola, is what marked the difference between what Scripture taught and what the church taught. Our salvation is not based on Jesus and or Jesus plus. It's based upon Christ, Christ alone. Martin Luther wrote in 1522, Therefore one must teach as follows, Behold, Christ died for you. He took sin, death, and hell upon himself and submitted himself. But nothing could subdue him. For he was too strong. He rose from the dead, was completely victorious, and subjected everything to himself. And he did all this in order that you might be free from it and lord over it. If you believe this, you have it. He also taught in the larger catechism. He said there was no counsel, no help, no comfort for us until this only and eternal Son of God in his unfathomable goodness had mercy on our misery and wretchedness and came from heaven to help us. Jesus Christ, the Lord of life and righteousness and every good and blessing. He has snatched us, poor lost sinners, from the jaws of hell, won us, made us free and restored us to the Father's favor and grace. He who has brought us back from the devil to God from death to life, from sin to righteousness, and now keeps us safe there. Luther was very consistent, and he used some very consistent terms when he even said this, Christ, who is a king of righteousness in us through his precious blood, death, and resurrection, with which he blotted out our sin for us, made satisfaction reconciled God and redeemed us from death, wrath, and hell. You see, when the Lord saved Luther as he's studying Scripture and he's studying the book of Romans and he comes there to where he sees in Romans chapter 1 that the just shall live by faith. And for the first time, this took the attention of his heart and on one occasion even describes that whole conversion experience of being born again. But it's verses like that, and not only verses like that, but other verses like Acts 4.12, which tells us that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men 
by which we must be saved. Only one name given. It doesn't tell us several names. It doesn't tell us about several organizations. It doesn't tell us about several types of churches. No, it tells us one name given among men whereby we must be saved. And it's Christ. Other verses would be like 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5, which is a very strong verse, which says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. No other mediators. So when Martin Luther preached a reformation, he wasn't trying to create a protest. They were trying to reform the church. But the church refused. And the church would not even listen to what he had to say. They would not even debate anything he had to say. The 95 Theses that he nailed on the door of the Wittenberg Castle Church in 1517 was a call for academic debate. But if it wasn't for the Gutenberg Press, most people would not even known about the 95 Theses at that time. But it had reached all of Germany through the printing press. And this brought about, eventually, a reformation and also a protest. But we hear verses like this. And you read these verses just as much as I do, and you are also convinced of the fact that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the only means of salvation. We hear verses even where Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. No one. And it's only through Christ. Now, I share those verses and talk about the fact that it's Christ alone because that's not what always the church taught. And by the way, let me just give a disclaimer because what I'm going to talk about most of today has to do with the Roman Catholic Church and what they believe. Because we're looking at these five solas, which are up there on the wall, and the five solas were an answer to what the Roman Catholic Church taught. We affirm these five solas because we believe that these five solas are the gospel. And if you deviate on any of them, you are diluting or watering down the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, there were many errors, but what's even important to understand that there were also things that were said by the church that were true. But that's kind of how error works. You have a little bit of truth and you have a little bit of error that come, come right behind it. And that's what makes it all fall apart. Because it can't be truth and error. It's got to be truth and not error. Now, of course, the Roman Catholic Church was saying Luther was a heretic. They said Huss was a heretic and they burned him at the stake. They said Wycliffe was a heretic. And all the people that, that were involved in this Reformation were heretics. William Tyndall experienced the same thing and they strangled him and burned him to death after he had printed the Bible in English. He wanted the Bible in the language of the people so that the people could understand the Word of God for themselves. But see, the leadership did not want that. The church didn't want that. They wanted it locked up in Latin, which was a language that most of them didn't even speak. Latin was the language of the learned. By the way, Luther was very fluent in Latin. 
But salvation is in Christ alone. Sola Christos. Christ alone. So there are three major errors that I want to address this morning that he had to deal with. And they dealt with more than three. By the way, there are more than three, but I just want to major on the first three. And the Catholic Church said this, salvation is, number one, through the church. Through the church. Now, if you're paying attention to the verses that I just read to you just a couple seconds ago, you would find a problem with that statement. But let me just tell you what they say, because this information is not hard to obtain, and this is also still what they believe today. The Second Vatican Council made this decree, quote, For it is through Christ's Catholic Church alone, which is the universal help toward salvation, that the fullness of the means of salvation can be obtained. Now that might sound kind of vague to you, but it's really not that vague. They say it's through Christ's Catholic Church alone. Now Catholic also means universal. But we know that it's talking about the Roman Catholic Church because this comes from the Second Vatican Council. But they also end it by saying that it's through the church that the fullness of the means of salvation can be obtained. Now, they're even more specific in the 1994 Catholic Catechism, which says this, All salvation comes from Christ the head through the church, which is his body, basing itself on Scripture and tradition. This is sola scriptura. This is the answer to that right there. They said, no, it's Scripture alone, not Scripture and tradition. The council teaches that the church, a pilgrim now on earth, here it is, quote, is necessary for salvation. Now, we don't stand in here and do a lot of teaching about what Catholicism has taught over the years. Uh, we're only dealing with it right now because of the Protestant Reformation, and this was all what was going on at that time. But we have noted in other groups where they have said Christ plus, or faith plus, or grace plus. And again, I remind you that it's not plus any of those things. If it's not Christ alone, then there's no salvation. If it's not faith alone, or grace alone, or by Scripture alone, or for the glory of God alone, then there is no salvation. You have to come to those grips, you have to come to those terms when you come to Christ, that you're coming exclusively to Christ alone for salvation. That He is the one who died for you, died in your place, took the punishment on, in His own body on the cross, and that the only way that you're going to be saved is putting your faith in Him. Him alone. That's the only way. Now, popes, there have been more than one pope. You know that. You've lived in a lifetime where you've seen the changing of popes. But past popes have taught this as well. And well as previous catechisms and even church fathers. Let me give you some examples. On May the 7th, 2001, Pope John Paul II, he told 2,000 youth that were gathered at the Greek Melkite Cathedral of Damascus, quote, You cannot be a Christian if you reject the church founded on Jesus Christ. Well, again, that's a problem. 
It's saying that you can't be saved unless you go through the church. Does the Bible say that? Well, we've already heard some verses. We have to say no. The Bible says that the source of our salvation is not the church. The source of our salvation is Jesus. Jesus Christ. (coughs) And let me show you two places. One is in Hebrews 5 and verse 9, if you'd like to turn there. It says, And having been made perfect, He, that is Christ, became to all those who obey Him the source of eternal salvation. Who is the source of eternal salvation? Jesus Christ. Even the Apostle John said in 1 John 5, 11, and 12, and, this, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. It doesn't say it's in the church. He says, He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. He makes it very clear to anyone and There were no Catholics during this time, folks, in the writing of this. They were dealing with a Gnostic heresy. And the Gnostic heresy taught Christ plus. In fact, they didn't have the right understanding of who Jesus is. Well, unfortunately, the Catholic Church didn't stop there. Not only did they say that salvation was through the church, they also said that salvation was through the sacraments. Through the sacraments. And you say, well, what are the sacraments? Well, they had seven sacraments in the Roman Catholic Church. Baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, penance, the anointing of the sick, holy orders, and matrimony. And the Roman Catholic Church said that the sacraments are the means to receive the grace of God. But they even go further than that and say that the sacraments save. And that if you don't keep the sacraments, you can't remain saved. So they teach that you can lose salvation. One of the sacraments was baptism. And they say this, baptism, quote, washes away original sin. In Catechism 1257, they say this, and I quote, The Lord himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. Now, they're not the only group to teach this. The Church of Christ believes in baptismal regeneration, that you have to be baptized in order to get saved. But I just want to tell you that Scripture doesn't say that. When Scripture talks about baptism, it says the opposite. For example, 1 Peter 3.21 says, Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you. And you go, wait a minute, you just said it doesn't save you. Read the rest of the verse. Not the removal of dirt from the flesh, because really water baptism, that's, that's what it's doing. It's, you're kind of getting a bath, if you will. He says what saves you is an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not through baptism. It's through Christ. Some say, well, Mark 16, 16 teaches baptismal regeneration when it says this, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And you say, well, see right there, it says that baptism saves you. Well, let me offer you this. The condemnation is not on those who are not baptized. 
The condemnation is on those who have disbelieved. He says, He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. And say anything about baptism. Again, anytime you hear it to where it almost sounds like that that's the case, it falls short. And we're told over and over and over in Scripture that we're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not grace and faith plus works, and baptism would be a work. And so would the other six sacraments. But they do say that the sacraments save. Let me give you a few from their catechism. Catechism 1129 says, quote, The church affirms that for believers, the sacraments of the new covenant are necessary for salvation. End quote. Catechism 980 says, This sacrament of penance is necessary for salvation for those who have fallen after baptism, just as baptism is necessary for salvation for those who have not yet been reborn, end quote. Beloved, these are works. That's all they are. They're the works of man. This is not the work of God. This is the work of man. But probably one that is the most disturbing to me anyway is that they believe that salvation is through Mary. Listen to a summary of what the Catholic Church teaches about Mary. And all of these are pulled from their catechism as well as from various popes who made these statements, and I'll go through them. Here's what they say, quote, Mary is the All-Holy One, second to Eve, is prayed to, sits at the right hand of Christ, is advocate, helper, benefactress, and mediatrix, the mother of the members of Christ, queen over all things, brings eternal life by her intercession, helped make atonement for sins, crushed the head of the serpent, delivers souls from death. When considering the church, there is no better way than to look to Mary. Catholics entrust themselves to Mary's prayer, and no man goeth to Christ but by his mother. Now, you probably heard some of them and immediately thought of other things or other verses where it talks about, for example, that she brings eternal life by her intercession. Who is the one who intercedes for us? Who prays for you? Jesus. Tells us in the book of Hebrews. It says that she helps make atonement for sins. How in the world does she do that? Jesus is the only one who made atonement for sin, and the proof of the fact that God accepted the price that He paid on the cross for the atonement for sin was by resurrection. He resurrected him. That showed that he accepted his sacrifice. Again, these are problematic. In fact, I would say more than problematic. I would have to be so bold to say it's blasphemy. Where they would coin a person not believing in this as heresy, I would have to turn the table and say what that just said was heresy. All we have to go on is the Bible, right? And the Bible makes it very clear that salvation is in no other but Jesus. It's not Jesus plus the sacraments. It's not Jesus plus the church. It's not Jesus plus Mary. 
It's Jesus alone. Let me give you some of the statements by various popes. Pope Pius IX, he said this, quote, God has committed to Mary the treasury of all good things in order that everyone may know that through her are obtained every hope, every grace, and all salvation. For this is his will, that we obtain everything through Mary. Now, this is what I say when I read stuff like this. And I'm not being arrogant when I say it. Where does it say this? This is the Word of God. You have one in your hands too. This is what we form our doctrine, our teaching, our practice, our living is based on the Bible. That statement is not in the Bible. There's no verses in the Bible about this. In fact, Mary didn't see herself as this. In the Magnificat in Luke, she saw herself as one who needed to be saved. She turned to God as she's crying out in this Magnificat. She's saying that God is her Savior. That's huge. Pope Leo XIII said, As man goes to the Father, but by the Son, so no one goes to Christ except through his mother. Now, we had just read in 1 Timothy, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is Christ, right? It didn't say that you had to go through her, his mother to get to Christ. Pope the Pius Twelfth, he said, and I quote, It is the will of God that we should have nothing which is not passed through the hands of Mary. Folks, this is purely fictional. It's not taught in the scripture. And the people would not have known that because the Bible was in Latin. They didn't speak Latin. They didn't read Latin. Again, Latin was the language of the learned. It was the language of the clergy. And because Martin Luther was studying to be an attorney, a lawyer, he had to study Latin. So he was very fluent in Latin. And so you could imagine him reading the Latin, reading the Hebrew, reading the Greek, and coming to the conclusions that he he came to. This is also taught in their catechism again, Catechism 969. It says, quote, Taken up to heaven, Mary did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation, end quote. Another catechism, number 494, quote, Being obedient, Mary became the cause of salvation for herself, and for the whole human race, end quote. Let me ask you a simple question. Can you save yourself? If you could save yourself, then what was the point of Christ dying on a cross? What was the point of Christ's sacrifice? If you could save yourself, you, didn't, you don't need Christ at that point. Well, the church is very devoted to Mary. Catechism 971 says that the church's devotion to Mary is intrinsic to Christian worship, end quote. Catechism 971 says, quote, The liturgical feast dedicated to the Mother of God and Mary in prayer, such as the rosary, are an epitome of the whole gospel. It expresses this devotion to the Virgin Mary, end quote. Catechism 971 says Mary is honored with the title Mother of God, to whose protection the faithful fly in all their dangers and needs. Catechism 969 says, Therefore the Blessed Virgin is invoked in the church under the titles of Advocate, Helper, Benefactress, and Mediatrix. 
Catechism 969, Mary brings us the gifts of eternal salvation. Taken up to heaven, she did not lay aside this saving office, but by her manifold intercession continues to bring us the gifts of eternal salvation. Catechism 966, you, Mary, conceive the living God, and by your prayers will deliver our souls from death. This is very disturbing. Unfortunately, I, I can't say it stops there. The position of Mary is Mary sits at the right hand of Christ. Quote, she is the supreme minister of the distribution of graces. Jesus sitteth on the right hand of the majesty on high. Mary sitteth at the right hand of her son. Pope Pius X said that. Mary is second to Jesus. Quote, Mary has by grace been exalted above all angels and men to place second only to her son. That was from the Vatican Council number two. In the handbook for today's Catholic, page 31, it says, This mother is waiting and preparing your home for you. You know, Jesus said to his disciples when they were sobbing over the fact that he was leaving, he said, John 14, 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Jesus is the one preparing a home for us, not Mary. Now, Mary is honored in Scripture, but not in this capacity. And again, the Vatican website, Pope Leo XIII, said, No man goeth to Christ but by his mother. You know, it's even more amazing than some of this. I don't know if it's more amazing, but they even teach that she was taken into heaven, that she didn't die. Catechism 974, Mary, when the course of earthly life was completed, was taken up body and soul into the glory of heaven. Now, this is what the reformers were dealing with. This is also what is being dealt with today. I remember meeting a young man and he was affirming the Protestant faith, the Protestant understanding of salvation in Christ alone. But he shifted direction. And he abandoned all of that and turned to the Catholic Church. Now let me ask you a question. Did he lose his salvation? Let me respond by saying this. He never had it. Once you are saved with the understanding it is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone, you cannot turn from that as a true converted believer. You won't deny it. And if you do, it's not saying you lost your salvation. It's saying you never had it to begin with. 
Because those who name the name of Christ, not only do they depart from iniquity, but they also affirm Christ. They confess Him as Lord. Romans 10.9, they believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. They confess that. Their hope is in Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. Mary can't forgive your sins. I can't forgive your sins. Nobody in this room can forgive you your, your sins. Only Christ. And no one can offer you eternal salvation but Christ. I believe, and again, I'm not trying to be highly critical of any particular group, but I have to say what all this implies. Beloved, this teaching is not from God. This teaching is from the father of lies, the devil. That's exactly what Jesus said. Because the Bible teaches that salvation is in Jesus Alone, He said He is the only way to heaven. Now, if there was the way through His mother, wouldn't He have said that? And again, the Catholic Church wasn't even visible at this point. It wasn't even on the earth at this point. It wasn't around. You had the first church, born out of the apostles, by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus said, I am the way. You know, in Greek, it's, I love some of the things that I see there because <clears throat> you don't see them always in English. And the Greek helps to give us the understanding. In Greek, ego aimi is I am. This verse reads it this way. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. You can't go to the Father without Christ. And if you try to come some other way, you're a thief and a robber according to John 10. He says, I am the way. Over in John 10, 9, he said again with ego aimi, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Now, how many doors of salvation are there? One. Will you please take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7? Because there are many people that believe that there are many ways to heaven. And if that's true, then Jesus would have never made this statement in verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate. That's a very small opening, isn't it? That's a very confined way. He says the gate that's wide and the way is broad, that leads to destruction. So those who are proclaiming all these other types of ways to go to heaven, they are really opening up a wide gate 
It is a broad gate that doesn't lead to life. It leads to eternal destruction. And he says in verse 13, there are many who enter it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are how many? Few. Few who find it. That's why you have to beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. How are you going to know them? You're going to know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you'll know them by their fruits. Look at their life. Listen to what they're saying. We have them today. <clears throat> there are false teachers all over the place. One of the channels on TV that, that they propagate their heresy is through TBN. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Look at verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now, I want to tell you, that ought to scare you half to death right there. Because if you're trusting Christ plus something else, you're lost. You're not saved. You have to come to Christ alone. He is the only way to the Father. And those who reject Christ don't have the Father. And again, I remind you, Acts 4.12, there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name given. Another way announced by God through His Scripture, through His holy prophets, or through His holy apostles, only through Jesus. But still, the Catechism says in 1172 that Mary is an inseparable link with the saving work of her Son. Did you know that Catholicism actually asserts that Mary never sinned? And that she was redeemed from the moment of her birth? Catechism 493, By the grace of God, Mary remained free of every personal sin her whole life long. Can you do that? Have you done that? Some of you sinned this morning. Some of you might be sinning right now. Catechism 494, espousing the divine will for salvation wholeheartedly without a single sin to restrain her. She gave herself entirely to the person and to the work of her son. Catechism 103, she's the most excellent fruit of redemption. From the first instance of her conception, she was totally preserved from the stain of original sin, and she remained pure from all personal sin throughout her life. I can think of one verse that just totally knocks that down, Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
all have sinned. This would include Mary. The Bible teaches that there's only one Savior. Let me give you some verses. If they're on the back of your handout, Isaiah 43, 11, I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. Hosea 13, 4, Yet I have been the Lord your God since the land of Egypt, and you were not to know any God except me, for there is no Savior besides me. Matthew 1, 21, The angel said to Joseph, She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Luke 2, 11, the announcement that was made to the angels, or, or rather to, from the angels to the shepherds. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. John 4.42, the Samaritans said, they were saying to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Acts 5.31 Jesus is the one whom God exalted to His right hand as prince and a Savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 13.23 From the descendants of this man, according to the promise, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus. Beloved, when we are called to repent and believe, we're not called to repent to the church or to do the sacraments or repent to Mary. We are called to have repentance toward God. Paul said this in Acts 20, beginning at verse 18. He says, You yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So do you see how critical the Protestant Reformation was? It preserved the gospel. Each sola was the gospel. You can't deviate from any of them without diluting it. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, according to Scripture alone, for the glory of God alone. But again, in Roman Catholicism, that which is necessary for salvation includes the church, baptism, penance, sacrament, service, and witness to the faith, keeping the Ten Commandments, and detachment from riches. And beloved, if you hear anybody teaching Christ plus, mark them. Understand that they are false teachers and avoid them. And if you're hearing this for the first time, what these solas truly mean, I urge you to call upon Christ to save you. Put your trust only in Jesus, not in the church, not in sacraments, not in Mary, but in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus, in Jesus alone. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way to heaven. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Again, no one comes to the Father but through Him. One mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. No other name given among men whereby we must be saved, but Jesus 
It's through Him, Ephesians 2.18, that we have both our access in one Spirit to the Father. It's in Jesus. And if you're sitting here today and you haven't put your trust in Jesus, you're lost. And you need to put your trust in Jesus right now. You're not promised the next couple of seconds. We, we all live with this thought that I've got tomorrow. I've got time. None of us are promised that. You've got to redeem the time. And there are a lot of people that are dying and are waking up in hell. And they thought they were saved. They're the ones that are saying in Matthew 7, 22, Lord, Lord. They're shocked. They thought they were saved. They're shocked. They wake up in torment. And they're going, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They're looking at experience. I hope that's not any of you. Your faith has to be in Christ alone. Or you don't have any faith. No saving faith. Well, my prayer is, is that you will examine your heart as we pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for each of us in here as we've heard these words. I pray that every person in here will examine their heart in light of the gospel, in light of the truth, and examine whether their trust is in Christ alone, trusting in His person and His work. And Lord, if anyone you bring to that realization that they are trusting someone or something else, I pray that you would save them this morning, that you would birth new life in them. Lord, as your word teaches, and we saw last week, that every person coming into this world is dead in trespasses and sins. Unless you make them alive, they will remain in that state. So Lord Jesus, please open hearts this morning. Make them alive. And we pray all this in your precious name.